The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It is nine minutes after 11 o'clock. You're listening to The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon. This is the Tuesday edition of the show. So we talk, we do municipal watch in the third hour of the show. And today we bring you a, a conversation that we in part already had when uh, Chief Justice Raymond Zondo made the comment he made the other day. One of the critical comments he made was around municipalities in South Africa and local government. And he said something, and I want us to listen to it, and then we're going to reflect on it a little bit, and that will be the basis for our conversation. But we're really going to be talking about the state of our municipalities in this country and municipal workers in particular in this country, and where is it and how is it that we're getting it wrong? Why is the great collapse of governance in South Africa happening at local government? To join me for this conversation, my apologies, is Kevin Allen, who's the Managing Director of Municipal IQ, and Dumisani Magagula, who is the General Secretary of uh, the South African Municipal Workers Union, SAMU. And I'm also joined by Figile uh, Chabango, who is the Senior Manager of Municipal Human Resource and Organizational Development at SALGA. Uh, we're going to be, that's the panel I have for that conversation. But before we get into the conversation, let's have a listen at what Chief Justice Raymond Zondo had to say. That part of the reason why the majority of the country's municipalities are dysfunctional or are the brink of collapse is that some of the people who are appointed to certain key positions do not have the right qualifications or competence for positions in which they are appointed. Or if they do have the right qualifications and competence, the problem may be that they lack integrity. If they do not have the right qualifications and competence, then the problem is that they will have been appointed to those positions as a favor, and they know it. Yeah. Figile, I want to start the conversation with you. How much truth is there to that? As uh, From a further perspective, um, the minimum competence requirement for appointment in municipalities is set by the Minister for Corporate Government and Traditional Affairs, to which then Salga comes in to assist his members to comply in ensuring that the appointments are in line with those regulated minimum educational requirements, experience and competency requirements. In so doing, then Salga assists his members to conduct the um, verification checks, integrity checks, as well as the uh, personal credential validation. So if an applicant for a senior manager, a municipal manager or or a city manager is submitted, we then work with accredited agencies to ensure that the qualifications are authentic to uh, screen for for fraud listing, to screen for any criminal records. And that information is then presented to the council or the uh, um, panel uh, that is designated by council to uh, um, undertake the selection process for for, for uh, municipal senior managers. So further, they would play that role in ensuring that its members adhere to the regulated or the legislatively defined minimum qualifications requirements, as well as the um, integrity screening and vetting requirements as legislated. That is where we, we come in at Salga that for every recruitment that happens, the skill is as legislated and the integrity is actually and it's aligned to 
uh, those stated in the uh, code of conduct yeah. for killers or for for, for staff in municipalities. Yeah, uh, uh, Kevin, I want to bring you in here. Um, the the comment that's made by the Chief Justice is that oftentimes people are appointed who are not qualified. When they are qualified, you find quite often that those people lack integrity, uh, that they are appointed not on merit but out of political favor. Is that a fair description of what is generally the case of the human capital that exists within our municipalities and local government institutions? Uh, morning, Oliver, and to your uh, listeners. Uh, the Chief Justice is absolutely correct, absolutely right, and at Municipal IQ, we couldn't agree with him more. Our data has shown, and uh, data from within government, if you look at National Treasury uh, quantitative data, that local government has not only been deteriorating at an alarming rate over a number of years, but in many cases has absolutely collapsed. Now, that is an indisputable fact. Um, over a third of our municipalities have collapsed. They are not able to do the most basic of um, uh, 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 functions in terms of the delivery of services. Um, the overwhelming majority are on the verge of collapse, and it is only a minority that are, that are actually functioning somewhat normally, but are also, um, save a mere handful, undergoing mm. financial crisis. So the Chief Justice is absolutely correct. And this is because capacity in municipalities has been ground down for more than 20 years. Um, you know, we, we've had Carter deployment for most of that time. Even now, we have legislation which uh, very recently passed in August last year, the Systems Amendment Act, um, has, has now eventually outlawed a CADA deployment, but it's very difficult to get rid of it. Uh, it's very difficult to regulate it. But CADA deployment has been poison for our municipalities, and it's meant that you've had political appointees in municipalities who are utterly incompetent, who have been shown that they do not have the capacity or qualifications to do a very technical job and have been in that position and then have appointed more and more carders themselves. And it has led to the collapse of a third of our municipalities, possibly more. And um, Treasury has confirmed this and said this in public a number of times. Yeah. Uh, Dumisani, wh why is it the case that we have a human capital crisis at municipal level? Uh, and I ask you this as a union representative, right? Uh, because it, 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 it is effectively unions that represent and protect workers within municipalities where necessary or uh, where their mandate gets invoked. Um, what are we getting wrong? Thank you for the opportunity. Look, there are many sectors to this discussion. Uh, firstly, um, there is a matter of cadre deployment. Uh, which I do not want us to over obsess about because internationally, any political party, leadership of any institution will want to deploy people that they will trust to carry out their policies, not necessarily mandate, but to carry out their policies and what they believe in. However, it does not mean that we need to compromise on required skills for any kind of job within the municipality. But what has happened is there has been a lot of compromise. We have found many instances where, even up to the level of the municipal manager, in 2022, 
someone did not even have a matrix certificate and they are a municipal manager. So at the same time, we're also now starting to come to the, uh, the reality over the next But besides that, uh, we have a challenge of where the municipalities do not recognize the skill, the necessary skill. Our focus is no longer too much on management and administration. Where there is lack of skill in local government is local government is not able to attract engineers, not able to attract technicians because they do not recognize that skill. They don't pay correctly. The municipal uh, systems and the, the salary scales in municipalities do not recognize the skills that people come up with. And they also fail internally to empower the artisans, the technicians to a level where they are, be, they are becoming engineers and they get the competence that is required to carry out service delivery instead of focusing on administration and management. Service delivery requires engineers. And when we speak about lack of skill, we're speaking about engineers. That's the skill that is required to carry out the constitutional mandate of a municipality, which is service delivery. How true is that? And I ask that because I've spoken to engineers on the show, especially when we were having floods in the country not too long ago. Uh, and they say, well, we sit in these municipalities, we give them advice, we draw up the plans for them uh, as we are briefed to do so. Uh, but oftentimes our plans are just pushed to the side or not all of it is taken as is. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about, Dumisani. Uh, a, a municipality approves a, a plan that, that says we're going to be building new roads and we're going to be building new roads here. They then ask engineers to come and design the roads and plan for it with the town planners. And accordingly, they, they do the technical work thereof. Engineer will say, well, we need to build a road. Uh, but I, we also think that we need to build two stormwater drains and install stormwater piping uh, uh, w- 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 as we build that road. The municipality realizes, wait, if we install stormwater drains, we don't have enough money to build another road. So instead, what we'll do is we'll build two roads with no stormwater drains. A flood happens, and then you have a situation where our infrastructure just collapses entirely. Engineers are not being listened to, even when they're there. It seems to be that there's no genuine integration of the technical work and the political considerations of it all. That's correct. Engineers, when we say you are engineers and not the rest of class, for the skill in terms of remuneration and, and not attracting engineers. Where they have engineers, politics often supersedes science. And politics says we need roads there, but science says the reality of you having a road is one, two, three. And these are the technical aspects. Municipalities are sitting with plans that were drawn up by engineers which are not implemented. And engineers simply leave because they cannot say with negligence yeah. uh, it's municipalities. Yeah. So that's when politics supersedes science. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, come back to you, Figula, on this question because uh, you made the argument earlier on that Salga assists municipalities and local government institutions uh, in making sure that the right uh, minimum requirements are set in place for certain key roles or for key roles within municipalities and that they're able to uh, uh, test whether that person is qualified for that role. But how do we test for integrity? How do we 
uh, attract for integrity. I want you to reflect on that. But before you do, I want us to take a quick break. Give us a call, 086-000-2032. Give us a call, 86 0 on that question, how do we, can we attract, uh, uh, you know, human resources and human capital with the requisite integrity? Can we orientate them into our organizations to perform and act with integrity? And can we test for integrity? To a certain extent, definitely, there are veterans, um, various veterans uh, that have been prescribed again at um, local government level for municipal executives or senior managers, uh, where before the appointment is made, they're subjected to 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 those uh, competency assessments, um, to integrity testing, vetting, um, including contacting you know uh, previous employers to check on past behavior, to check on current behavior. And a, a, a report is then submitted. Um, you involve subs, you involve the, the South African Fraud Prevention Services uh, um, uh, to do the vetting, the, the integrity checking uh, on, on candidates. So that definitely does happen. Uh, we involve professional bodies. We are talking about engineering staff uh, um, uh, um, area. We involve uh, 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 professional bodies who themselves as codes of conduct. And remember, these uh, professional bodies have statutory powers as well by the various uh, uh, departments uh, to, to operate in certain uh, um, uh, industries or sectors, particularly the, the build or the construction, insofar in as that is concerned. So the obligation for the performance and the conduct is, is split between the employer and municipality and partly the professional body in certain uh, cases or occupations. Uh, particularly in the construction, uh, where we must there must be checks and balances along the the, 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 the very chain of the employee life cycle. Yeah. So that does definitely um, uh, take place. What we are we've been focusing on, and and I'm sure the other panelists would agree, the issue of managing consequences if there's been wrongdoing in a municipality, what then happens? So so the checks and balance. Uh, pre-entry and the multi check and balance gives the employee life cycle in a municipality to check on performance, behavior, conduct, and all of those issues. And therefore, this is where now we've seeing the evolution of legislation where the national treasury have come on board as well with and, and enforcing uh, certain consequences for wrongdoing of, 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 of theft, corruption, fraud, and so forth and so forth. So it is really about allowing the various legislative interventions or instruments that have been introduced to produce uh, the outcomes that yeah. we want to see to root out some of those undesirable elements. Yeah. Are those instruments effective? And I ask that, uh, hopefully there's data on this. Do we know how many candidates are disqualified using those integrity testing protocol uh, and instruments such as uh, background checks, such as uh, using the facilities and resources of professional bodies, uh, such as speaking to past employers and to check using those references. Uh, do, do we know if uh, candidates are being disqualified in that process and whether or not it's actually an effective filtering system? Um, again, there is another added layer in checks and balances where the MEC for local government um, must receive a report that it followed the process to the latter in terms of the selection screening interview. And this is the outcome. The MEC must then satisfy them and themselves that indeed 
um, the uh, process has been followed and the candidate that is recommended for appointment is befitting of taking up a position in a municipality whereby the MEC is given power to then uh, declare the appointment null and void and not be satisfied that the balance has been, uh, uh, have been uh, applied according to the law. Mm, mm. So it's uh, there's that oversight layer again outside of the municipality itself, outside of the council processes. There is an MEC for local government that has a power vested in them to um, uh, again ensure that the process is watertight. Um, mm. And 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 with uh, by MEC, where the MEC is saying on this aspect, we need to go back to the drawing board to 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 strengthen the ties in that area in relation to the candidate. So we've seen uh, uh, some um, interventions and seen some results. Yeah. Kevin, despite all of that human resource management apparatus being in place, why do we then still have people uh, who get into our municipalities who one, just derelict their duty, and two, act without integrity. Is it the case that they're perfectly fine people and once they get into the municipality, they're changed for some reason and something drastically happens that changes their morale, their attitude, and their principles? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I think it's the nub of the issue. So in local government, uh, we have uh, much legislation. We have a whole act which governs how municipalities are run, It's called the Systems Act, and we now have a Systems Amendment Act in place. And really, uh, there are amazingly good systems uh, in theory that should be in place in municipalities. And my learned Salga colleague has gone over some of those in terms of um, human human resources. And you would think that, um, you know, with all those things in place, that we'd actually have a, a a very good system of appointing people and those people would be amazing. And also, you know, there's a fallacy that local government employees are not paid well and that's why we don't have such good candidates in local government. But actually, local government employees, and we've done research in this area, especially in small towns, are actually paid way, way above other residents of small towns. They're really well paid. So if you are motivated to get a good candidate, to get a qualified, competent candidate, those people are actually available. The the issue and the, the problem again and again is that no matter what the system is in place and no matter what the candidate list that is available, you are only as good and your municipality is only as good as the people who are actually being selected and appointed. And when they select it as well, this may amaze some people, but you actually have performance uh, reports and performance contracts which are in place as well. And people like me who've worked in the sector for many years have actually designed such things. But if you choose to ignore these things, if you choose just to do your own thing, then none of this actually matters. And this is the reality of municipalities on the ground where no matter what the system is, no matter what the protocol is, the criteria, you have municipalities acting in the in 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 interests which are outside of mm. the best interests of municipalities, or you have p- uh, people, councillors, very senior officials who are appointing people who simply ignore 
all these things. Yeah. And that is how we are getting very poor people, layers and layers of incompetent people, of poorly qualified people into municipal administrations. And that is why our administrations have failed so badly. Yeah. Because you will get someone who is the head of an engineering department who is not an engineer. You'll get someone who has no qualification, no experience in engineering, running a billion rand uh, or multi-billion but do rand we, do uh, we, Are you um, making the, the necessary distinctions here between, um, you know, officials who are um, uh, 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 appointed in their technocratic capacity or political officers, for instance, like an MEC, for instance, or an MMC or uh, a CEO when it's an agency? That is by and large a political appointment, right, where the considerations are more than just uh, your, your technocratic capabilities. I want you to reflect on that. But before that, I want us to take a quick break. Give us a call, 86 2032 Mpo has your news headlines. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. 25 minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to The Talking Point. We're talking the state of our municipalities, specifically about the people that make up our municipalities. Before we went to the break there, uh, Kevin, you made the argument uh, that due to a confluence of issues, you find, for instance, a head of an engineering division not being an engineer. Um, And I asked then, is that the case in political office appointments or in technocratic office appointments? And are we drawing that distinction here? Or should we be able to say, regardless of the function of the office, whether it be political or otherwise, that the person heading that up, such as perhaps the MMC or the uh, um, uh, CEO of an agency, should it be the case of the agency, that that person meets a a technical level of requirements? So let's just uh, distinguish very clearly between two things. You get uh, political uh, appointments, councillors who are voted in or who are PR representatives. They don't need um, to be professionally qualified to carry out their function because they represent the, the people in a municipal council. But it's absolutely critical <clears throat> that people who are appointed in the administration are professionals. So that's the distinction there. Now, you can have a a, um, member of a mayoral committee in a big city who is not an engineer, but who is in charge of that ambit of issues. But that person must have highly qualified people who are reporting to that individual um, around those functions. And And is it it your argument that we currently don't have that happening? Well, we don't we, we don't need uh, professional qualifications at a political level, and that's not how the political system should work. But we definitely don't have in the vast majority. Well, I, let me not say categorically, but in it's very clear in municipalities that have failed or that are in great crisis that we do not have people who are correctly qualified in senior positions. Right. And right. One example, as I was saying, was in engineering. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you this, Figler. Salga would have the data on this, would they not? Uh, by and large, how many of our administrative uh, roles within our municipalities are occupied by professionally qualified individuals? Um, so, what, what we have at the top, the, the very top layer of the hierarchy of 
the organizational structure in the municipality is occupied by professionals, which is your municipal manager and the direct report, which we commonly refer to as the top seven positions. So you have the municipal manager, the CFO, and the director and other senior managers that oversee the various portfolios, such as technical services, corporate services, uh, etc. And those usually are, are attracted based on the legislatively defined uh, uh, minimum competency requirement. Uh, but despite, as, notwithstanding the legislature and, and, and the statutes in place, this is a question more about its implementation. By and large, are the people that fill up our administrative roles qualified? Yes, I, yeah. Yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Figu- yes, Figula? To that effect in 2014, where we started that process of ensuring the vetting and the screening of senior managers that are attracted. Mm. Then you've got political layer which comes elected, where Salga comes in after every local government election with a councillor induction program that is generic, that will introduce all the 8,000 plus councillors into the system, the applicable legislation, their governance responsibility, their oversight responsibility, which is then followed by a portfolio-specific uh, induction uh, given uh, 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 the portfolio that you're assigned to as an MNC. If you're assigned for water, then you undertake an induction specific to the water sector, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, so your answer is yes, that in the administrative roles, by and large, the people who occupy that roles are qualified for those roles? Most, most definitely. Yeah. The uh, uh, Minister for Culture receives uh, uh, um, reports from municipalities on the appointment, the process, the necessary supporting documents since 2014, all the appointments that are made uh, by municipalities. Yeah. Yeah. Dumisani, do you agree with that? Do you, you as a union representative, would have oversight of, of, of those numbers as well? Is it indeed the case? I, I don't have oversight of numbers, but I can tell you from experience because we are in municipalities. A very sad example is that for a municipality to run a power station, at least the, the director in technical services should be an electrical engineer. Yeah. with a certificate of competency as an engineer, meaning that they are admitted as an engineer. Municipalities do not appoint engineers in those positions. Uh, they would appoint anyone who has some qualification and then partner with a consultant who then gets registered as someone that will run and switch on a power station or switch off a power station if there is a need. So what you have is in this uh, capitalist world, science is overpowered by politics. In this capitalist world, what you have is common sense is, is, is switched off when people think of self-ambition. They appoint their cadres who do not qualify. I made an example of an engineer. And then they will then say, but we do have a consultant. So at the end of the day, you will not see if indeed this municipality is able to run a power station or not. Mm. And they are paying this consultant millions of rents, sometimes even on a monthly basis, just so that they keep their name there and register Mm. their consultant to be running for the municipality. So you have double parking and people that are paid for nothing. Yeah. Uh, Figula, how much do municipalities spend annually on consultants? 
There is a minimum threshold set by uh, Treasury that we as municipalities should exceed. One would have to uh, reference how we fare in terms of that, and the Auditor General would usually give a report with regards to that. So the usage of consultants has been generally been reported uh, by the Auditor General to be on the excessive side. So in, in that regard, then the, the strategy is to say as municipalities, when consulted are onboarded, make sure the skills transfer um, uh, at the time of um, closing the project and, and offboarding the, the, the consultant. So why is there, there an over-reliance on consultants? Is it because the people appointed in the positions initially are not sufficiently qualified? It is to attract additional capacity, especially in under-capacitated uh, municipalities. You'd want to bring in that additional capacity, that additional skill, and, um, and, and, and you know, with the introduction of it and all of this, it's where there has been very slow pace of, of, of change in manifestation. So maybe let me rephrase that. Would there be a need... Would there be a need for additional capacity if the guy running the transformer for the municipality is actually a sufficiently experienced and qualified electrical engineer? Uh, Would there be a need for additional capacity if the person switching (laughs) off or running the transformer for the municipality is already sufficiently experienced and qualified? Would there still be a need for additional capacity? Uh, definitely, we wouldn't go procure something that we already have in abundance. Um, so, therefore, there would not be a need for that. However, to explore what other mechanisms and, and, and innovations out there, it's always best to, to, to explore and, and, and attract um, additional yeah. uh, capacity and skills in municipality. Okay, let's go to the lines. Aba in the Eastern Cape. Aba, good morning. Good morning, uh, Oliver, and your guest as well. Uh, I think the lady from uh, Sargas, her name is, is Fikile, uh, she earlier said that uh, they would normally recommend or advise the municipalities as to um, appoint or perhaps place people accordingly. Um, uh, now, the big question is, I wonder if it is happening. Really, is it really, mm. really happening? You know, yeah, because, um, you know, the, the damning uh, utterances made by uh, CJ Zondo in the uh, past few days, and um, just now listening to your uh, clip that you played earlier on regarding the corruption and credit uh, deployment that's happening. And, um, you know, it's, it's very sad. I, I think this, this country is going south, and without us realizing, it will be down and out, mm. you know. So, yeah, there's no, there's no garbage collected. You look around, there's no grass uh, cut, and you're standing at long queues at the municipality centers without uh, being attended to, mm, you know? Mm, yeah. So this is, this is, this is bad. I, you know, the, yeah, you know I, I, I think I'm done. Thanks a lot, Abba. I appreciate it. Uh, Matiriso in Maribokopane. Uh, good morning. Huh? Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Go ahead. Yes. No, my comment is that Sometimes, uh, I think the problem is the municipalities, the smaller municipality, is to attract the qualified people. Mm. Like, for instance, I live in Mariwakopani village. My, my municipality is a rural municipality. That, that rural municipality is a big municipality, but it's 100% villages. There is no town, there is no township. It's only the villages under the tribal roof. 
So my suggestion is that the national government, in fact, in this type of municipality, must intervene. Yeah. Because the municipality cannot, rather municipality cannot attract a, a, a civil engineer, a qualified civil engineer. So but it cannot also be attract the qualified chief financial officer. So the government, must, the national government must intervene and employ on behalf of the municipality these two qualifications, the engineering and the chief financial officer. And if they employ them, they must be very strict. They must write a very strict contract. In that contract, they must write that if chief financial officer does not manage the municipality finance correctly, they must pay back the money plus interest. If the engineering does not build the road or the bridge according to the specification that it must be built, that engineering must pay back the money plus yeah. the interest. And also they must help these people because the politicians, they interfere, especially the union. They must write in the contract that if there is anybody who is a politician or is a union, come and interfere in your job, you must take that person's details and report yeah. him to the government. Thank you so much for your time, Machiriso. Really, really do appreciate it. That brings us to the end of this conversation. Kevin Allen, Managing Director at Municipal IQ, Dumisani Magagula, uh, who's the General Secretary of SAMU, as well as Figile uh, Chabangu, who's the Senior Manager for Municipal Human Resources and Organizational Development Support at SALGA. From myself and the team, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side of that, it is the book reading. We're back with you tomorrow. Wait, I'm not back with you tomorrow, but I am back with you on Friday. Uh, So speak to you then. Cheers.